And we are here, Warp and Woof Radio, Wednesdays from 10 until noon, and we are looking forward to chatting with you today about all kinds of things. Me and my co-host, Dr. Clyde Posley, this is Dr. Mark Eckel. We are interested in everything from a Christian vantage point. So let me give you just a lowdown on where we come from and what we do. Cominius Institute sponsored show. The Cominius Institute is uh, based on John Amos Cominius, famous Moravian pastor from the 17th century, who actually believed that uh, we should be looking for God's wisdom throughout the whole world, all of the earth. That's exactly what we do. So after that, we are concerned, of course, from a biblical Christian point of view with something called warp and woof. Warp and woof means the vertical horizontal threads that make fabric. And, of course, from a Christian vantage point, this is Colossians 1.17, by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. We are interested in thinking about all things from a Christian vantage point, from a biblical point of view, and that's how we approach our show every single week. So uh, this particular show, uh, Dr. Clyde Posley and I are going to be interacting with all kinds of ideas and issues and subjects, and uh, always glad to have uh, HB, our producer, uh, right here with us, guiding us down the road. But uh, Dr. Clyde, how are you doing this morning? Good morning, good morning, my friend. I'm blessed, prosperous, and in divine health, and despite all I've been through, I still got joy. Oh, my word. And you are rocking the bow tie today. <laughs> <laughs> and we're both wearing brown, by the way. That, I tell you, man, that I had you in mind. something. had you in mind. Great minds. That's right. <laughs> Two cannot walk together, Amos says, except they agree. There it is. <laughs> Quote Amos 3, early That's in the right. morning. Look That's out right. now. Yeah, this uh, idea of, uh, I didn't even call you to check to make sure what you were wearing today, but uh, we are on the same page when it comes to everything else. That's right. And especially, I always want to say to people that we are approaching everything from a biblical vantage point, that is a biblical authority base, and so while we may disagree about sociological issues from time to time, the baseline theological stuff, we got 100% four square in the same place. Absolutely. That is, Jesus is the one who has redeemed us. And the scriptures are the foundation for our life, also permeation. But we live under the authority of scripture. Absolutely, absolutely. Because those are the subjects that he will bring up at the judgment seat of Christ. Mm. He won't bring up my my, my voting party. Mm. He won't bring up uh, my political alliances. Mm. He will bring up whether or not I understood him as the perpetuation of my sins. Mm. He will bring up whether or not I have loved uh, the brethren. Mm Mm-hmm. The Bible says uh, in Third John, over in Third John three, we uh, we know that we've passed from death unto life, mm-hmm. not because of who we voted for, not because of our political affiliation or social status, mm-hmm. but we know we've passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. There it is. Scripture goes on to say, "He that loveth not his brother mm-hmm. abideth in death." Mm-hmm. I don't want him to bring up politics on that day. There it is. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want him I want him to to, 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 to to look at me based on how uh how I what I was able to forgive. Mm. What was my what was my actions, what was my performance of forgiveness and love and mercy and there kindness. It is. Yeah, and so we we go forward from this particular place focused on uh, not just uh, heaven anticipation of the forgiveness of of sins that has been done for us, is being done for us, and will ultimately make us perfect in his image, 1 John 3 tells us. But beyond that, uh, we are interested in this world and this life as God gives us breath. To, to exercise our gifts and to uh, give do good for those around us. And, of course, as I mentioned, do good, Titus 3, uh, 1, 8, and 14, uh, the repetitious phrase of do good. This is the point of our program. We bring in guests that are 
in, in and around Indianapolis who are doing good. Mm-hmm. And uh, later on, Dr. Clyde, who we got coming in? We have, we have Kamish Nunley, uh, a mental health expert and counselor, coming back for part two. Mm. Coming back for part, part two. She was uh, so impactful and so powerful uh, last week. It's just an, it's a blessing for us to have her back. Isn't that the um, truth? And her schedule with all of what she's doing in the community, with all of what she's doing with her own practice, mm. the fact that she was able, willing and able to come back uh, kind of speaks not only to her, her, her commitment mm. uh, to the ministry of mental health, mm. but also her, her opens, her availability. You know, God, God uses the available. There he does. Is. He yeah. uses the heart that's open to open that's open to him people who trust in him with all their heart and may not their own understanding those people who acknowledge him he directs their path so and we are grateful for uh having miss nunley come back and chat with us here in this in the second section of what we do but in the first section uh, dr clyde and i are going to riff a bit on some biblical themes but first we're going to take a musical break and after our musical break we'll come back and chat some more about biblical ideas about how we think about the world and life all around us. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You know, I just wish that everybody out there listening and later on the podcast could be around as we do some stuff in between these particular segments that we do. <laughs> We've got some great... Some great things going on here. Maybe we should do some uh, some Facebook Live or something here in the future. But uh, nonetheless, we we really do have some fun and uh, chat a bit and Plus we got smile a comedian in HB. Yeah, comedian HB isn't that the truth? Yeah, it's always going on. So uh, we wanted to come back in in this first segment. Uh, we throw this word around a lot. And I think uh, Dr. Clyde Posley and myself, we're really interested in uh, understanding words and definitions, and especially from a biblical point of view. The word we want to chat a bit about is the word good. And uh, I wanted to just start us off by talking about good coming out of Genesis 1. It's one of those words that's repetitious there in that particular segment. Uh, In that uh, chapter, in Genesis chapter 1, God speaks to what he has made as being good, and then in 131, as very good. And that word is an interesting word because it can be translated as beauty as well. So the concept of good and beautiful go together. And if you're at all familiar with the triad of statements, truth, goodness, and beauty, uh, one of the things I was uh, emphasizing in my preaching a couple weeks ago was actually flipping those around. Uh, Because people are not really interested in hearing about your truth until they see beauty, until they see you doing good. That's good. And I think that's really an important, powerful idea. So Genesis 1 kind of starts us off, Clyde. Uh, where do we go from there? Yeah, well, you I, I, did, I, I don't know if I was ready for you to stop. Man, that was, that, that was, that was pretty good. <laughs> that, that, that was pretty good. You know, this, this word, um, the cornerstone, one of the cornerstones of, of our collaboration and just our show in general is, is what good that we see performed. We try to bring that mm-hmm. to our show, the good mm-hmm. that we see perform, what people say they're doing in the community. That's right. And uh, But uh, as you know, people, uh, the the definition of words is fluid. That's right. <laughs> you know, and people, you know, five years ago, one thing, a word meant one thing. It means mm-hmm. something different. You know, um, uh, uh, capital meant one thing ten years ago. It means another yeah, thing today. That's right. <laughs> so, so but, but, but good, you know, when I think of good, 
you know, and, and, and for those of you in, in, in the listening audience, you know, Dr. Eccles I'm talking about, he's an Old Testament scholar, you know. And 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 I'm I'm just basically a New Testament guy, so he's just so much smarter. It's a nice play off each other. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, so I'm thinking, you know, when I think of the word good, um, I, often my mind goes to the rich young ruler, mm. and when as Jesus spoke to him, uh, he, he had approached Jesus and said to Jesus, "What good thing must I do <laughs> that I might inherit eternal life?" Mm-hmm. And Jesus quickly told him that the only the, the only good there is is God mm-hmm. so he Jesus kind of sets the parameters mm-hmm. I'd like to bounce off of that you know and and just really you know bring the notion uh, that to the table that that we need to start looking at what is good from a teleological perspective what are the results Ooh, of it there you go that's right. You can look and tell. Mm-hmm. You can search a thing. You mm-hmm. can. Uh, the Bible says you can tell a tree by the fruit it bears. Mm-hmm. Often, what we think is good today, mm-hmm. good for us, good, good in society, good culturally, good uh, socially, good uh, in the kingdom. Mm-hmm. What, what is it producing? That's right. There it is. That's a really important idea. And yeah. this this concept of, that you brought up of teleological, meaning the results or the mm-hmm. purpose or the ends of something, right, right. let me flip that around and go ontology with mm-hmm. us and uh, start from a beginning or this concept of what is the source from which we right. dr- derive this mm-hmm. from. And so your good comments about the idea that a good should produce results uh, makes me think that good needs to come from a source of good. A source and you of, well it, it would have to, absolutely. Yeah. So we've got this source that's extraterrestrial, transcendent, theologians call it, meaning mm-hmm. outside and apart from us. Right. And this transcendent source then gives us the standard by which we can evaluate what people may refer to mm-hmm. as good. Mm-hmm. So here, uh, just to give an example of this, I just finished a paper uh, last night uh, for this course I'm taking on Civil War Literature and Culture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole concept of the paper revolves around uh, anthems, and I used uh, Negro spirituals as anthems in Civil War days. Uh, but the point that I'm suggesting here about this is that I said these songs that come out of the Civil War from black slavery all the way back to Jamestown in 1620, we're seeing these songs that have a beginning and an end. Mm-hmm. They know that there is a source, and this mm-hmm. one that they are giving their lives to is the one who is above us, transcendent, the, the maker of all things. Mm-hmm. And yet, look forward to paradise, to right. heaven, to the jubilee, Leviticus right. 25. And right. that whole concept then, of course, gives us this rounded view of the folks that were living this life of slavery mm-hmm. and yet had this biblical Christian view that, you know what, if we don't see it on earth, we're going to see it someplace else, mm-hmm. but it's all sourced. It's all origined in this one who has made us. Right, right. Those 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 spirituals have also also been called antebellum uh, folk songs, mm-hmm. and and in the, and 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 it's interesting because you know relative to our conversation about good, uh, even even those spirituals, even those spirituals saw good um, down the road. Mm-hmm. They, it, it, they they were in a culture. Where they didn't see very much that they could call good, uh, for obvious reasons. And, and, and so they saw, even their epistemology, their, their, their knowledge source of good told them that even, uh, even despite this bad scenario, this, this oppressive system that we're coming out of, for us, that we hope is about to produce freedom, mm-hmm. they understood that the true good, the ultimate freedom, 
is somewhere beyond what you can see. That's right. And, and you know, there, there's a lot of debate about, you know, wh- whether or not, um, you know, we should we should be pro pro epistemology, which is knowledge sources, or pro ontology, ontology, which is our existence, or should we be teleological? Should mm-hmm. we be focused more on in in results? Mm-hmm. We we serve a God who 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 has made the kingdom binary in a sense. Yes, there's a future kingdom. Thy kingdom come. But he says in the Lord's Prayer, thy will be done on earth mm-hmm. as it is in heaven. Mm. We're supposed to be able to live some, enjoy some good here. That's right. And also would live in expectation of an eschatological good later. Right. And so with, with, with that said, uh, even those back, those who are writing the Negro spiritual, coming through the antebellum period, coming through the start of the reclamation period, the Civil War uh, period, even those, even though they were not theologians, Mark, they understood mm-hmm. because of their faith in God mm-hmm. that there's a better, mm-hmm. there is a good. Mm-hmm. You know, often in life, Mark, I think people abandon the notion of good because they become drowned in the, are they drown in their circumstance? Yeah, and they can't see it because yeah, yeah for the trees. Yeah, the, exactly. The trees of oppression, the trees of difficulty, the trees of, of mm-hmm. pain, right. hurt. Kamisha uh, uh, is going to come and talk about the, the trees of the trauma mm-hmm. uh, later that we all endure. That's and right. so, but but so so one of the good so and so that brings me to this notion, Mark, that for us to stay focused on a godly good, we need the grace of God to help us. Isn't that the truth? Yeah. I, I'm cool. sorry, go ahead. I put a post up the other day about, you know, when, when you're hurt, mm-hmm. when, you, when you need to forgive, mm-hmm. part of what you need to do sometimes is ask God, God, help me mm-hmm. rehabilitate my respect mm-hmm. for the ones who hurt me. Isn't that the truth? Boy, this is a powerful idea, one that uh, makes me think back again to a passage I just mentioned, uh, Leviticus 25, mm-hmm. uh, which deals with this, this year of Jubilee. So this year of Jubilee right. comes around every 50 years. Right. And, of course, uh, what we discover is that not only is the year of Jubilee most probably not enacted by the Israelites, but neither is the Sabbath year. So every seven years they were supposed to take the year off and not plant, and sure. God was going to provide. And the whole focal point, by the way, of that one year was to be teaching and learning right. uh, together. Well, what's fascinating when you read the end of uh, the book of Chronicles in Second Chronicles 36, you find out that the reason why uh, people had to go to Babylon in captivity was because they didn't they did not keep do the that, Sabbath years. That's right. They did not keep And for 70 years. So God is basically saying, look, for your five, the last 500 years, 7 times 70, for about the last 500 years, you all haven't been doing what I told you to do. Therefore, I'm going to let the land have its rest. It's going to be now from goodness. you. That's right, from you. I got from it. you. <laughs> Y'all have been messing with this thing for way too long. And one of the, the powerful ideas that comes out of Jubilee is this concept of liberty. Proclaim liberty. Mm-hmm. And this is this powerful concept, again, that comes out of these folk songs, uh, but also ought to provide for us this great impetus to share with people the knowledge of the gospel of Jesus because yeah, this that's is right. what brings us liberty. Absolutely. Jesus. That's what Christ came, in Luke 4, that's what Christ announced. He stood up and said, listen, here's what the Spirit of the Lord, the Lord, Spirit of the Lord is upon me, mm-hmm. and here's why he has anointed me, yep. that I can preach the acceptable year mm-hmm. of the Lord. Mm-hmm. You guys, the, 
the two captivities were born out of your your unwillingness to hang on to what I instructed you to do, mm-hmm. and your and and the, the the idea that you didn't believe I was actually going to take you into captivity <laughs> if you didn't. Because I told That's you, right. I told you I what told would happen you. if you did not. Yep. God warned Israel what would happen if they did not keep the Sabbath and make it holy. Mm-hmm. If they didn't practice all that was written in the book, He told them that. Mm-hmm. But the, and so Christ. Uh, that's why freedom in every aspect of the word, how, in, in whatever etymological expression we want to look at the word freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom is at the core of a, of a, of a grace testament, mm-hmm. of a New Testament that's about grace. Mm-hmm. Not uh, a social freedom. But cultural freedom, mm-hmm. but 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 the root of that, and, and we and here's what our show is about in many ways, the root of any real freedom is from Jesus Christ. There it is, the liberty mm-hmm. that gives us the proper mindset about how cultures should interact, mm-hmm. how people should interact. That's right is born out of being born it, it, it comes from being born again mm-hmm. and, and and I contend and I know somebody listening or maybe they will or maybe they won't agree but this this is the real truth I don't think you can think properly mm. about how to approach people mm. without being born again oh my there has to be a different mindset you, you cannot come here with the brain that the the, the, the spirit the, the mindset that you have yep. only be cultured by education mm-hmm. hey you're two men who've committed themselves to education mm-hmm. saying this only be cultured by your experience because experiences mm-hmm. are not the best teacher the holy mm-hmm. spirit is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you've got to be born the bible that's why the bible says in second corinthians 5:17 mark if any man be in christ yes he's a new creature old things are passed away why does god need to make us new because he knows that that old you is never going to forgive his is neighbor. Is never going to do Never going to love Absolutely. his neighbor. Never so, going to have a TV, a radio show <laughs> right. from different cultures and, and perspectives. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So what we find ourselves doing here, as you well say, Clyde, uh, our commitment to uh, knowledge, to uh, understanding the intellect, uh, is certainly different from those who have a different mindset than Absolutely. us. Second Timothy 4, 7, I'm thinking about uh, ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. And so we have this kind of idea, of course, that is changed by what you've well suggested in this connection between Luke 4 and Leviticus 25, that we have liberty. And this is born right. of the goodness of God. We're going to be taking a break, uh, one song break, and we'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about the concept of good and what it provides for us in result, but also in terms of where it has come from. Right. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Every Wednesday morning from 10 until 12, Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel, and our good producer, H.B. Bell, here in the house helping folks around Indianapolis to think differently, to think biblically about life and things. We're discussing the concept of good, and we talked about uh, the concept that comes out of Genesis 1. And, and I wanted to begin this segment by talking about Genesis 2, uh, because in that passage we find that uh, God has created this wonderful world, and then he puts there this tree of life that was in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, but before that, he says that every tree that was uh, made was to be pleasant to the sight and good for food. So pleasing to the eyes and good for food. Now we know that God had established his beneficence, his goodness uh, in this great statement. But what happens immediately after? What's the very first thing that happens? 
pleasing to the eye in 3.6 of Genesis goes like this. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food and a delight to the eyes and the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And so here we have this great example right at the beginning of the Bible where you have goodness that has been given to us by God, things that are created for our good that we as individual people twist for evil means. And it's all because of our inherent corruption, our problem, of course, which comes from within us, which is that we are sinful people. And because of that, of course, it skews and maligns everything uh, that happens to us. Uh, Borrowing from the New Testament, we look at uh, Mark chapter 7 where Jesus says, "It's it's what comes out of a man that makes him a bad or wrong or evil four times in Mark chapter 7. And so this concept of good is maligned by what is bad. The bad comes from within us. And this is a really powerful concept as we consider that God has created his world for good and we mess it up if we approach it in the wrong mindset from a wrong perspective. Uh, Clyde, your uh, your view on this coming out of uh, Second Testament, New Testament teaching, how do you see this coming out? Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I, we, we, our... What we see, the optics of a situation, uh, what, in my opinion, what, what leads to a great deal, arguably most of our sin, is the priority we give to optics mm. and how we engage our minds with our senses before we, before we let our spirit guide us. Mm. Um, I, I don't want to go too far off into this. I used to have a great teacher, Dr. Troy Ladd. He used to say, "You cannot will until you feel, and you cannot feel until you know." Hmm. And, and, and 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 many of us get our knowing from what we see first. Hmm. Eve looked at that tree and made the decisions that she had that she made based on what her eyes told her. That's right. Her eyes engaged her brain, which engaged the endorphins and, and, mm-hmm. and pleasure, and we can go to hedonism and all that. All from that. What Instead of, and she conducted herself like a person who had not received an instruction. Mm. Don't touch the tree. <laughs> See, this is, and this is what I mean, you know, for our listeners, this is what I mean about letting what you see mm-hmm. Speak to your brain instead of what he has said yes. becoming priority. Right. And over in over in First John, um, uh, the, the uh, John the Revelator speaks and tells us all that is in the world, the lust of the eyes. Mm-hmm. First thing he says, mm-hmm. lust of the flesh, pride of life. First uh, John two and fifteen, lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, pride of life. And so and so we we we, we see the role. We we see the role in in that Satan plays in trying to keep us keep a gulf between God what God has provided that is good and our ability to subdue that good or mm-hmm. steward that good. There it is. Yes. That, that's where we are. That, yes. That's where we, we and, and 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 so we literally have to ask God, Doctor mm-hmm. Eccles. We have to ask God. God, help me be a better steward of the resources that you have put on this earth mm-hmm. for us to mm-hmm. glorify you. Time, talent, and treasure. It sounds like we need to be uh, understanding how we function with it best and then utilize it best. Mm-hmm. We have this sense, uh, I think, that we uh, we love people and use things. That certainly is a biblical concept, mm-hmm. but we reverse that quite often mm-hmm. where we focus on the things. We love things and then begin to use people. Mm-hmm. And it literally flips upside down. So there's just a good example of what we're discussing mm-hmm. right now. Right. 
this idea that somehow uh, people are only to be used. One mm -hmm. of the problems I have with the phrase uh, human resources is that I'm not a resource to be used and then uh, dealt with, uh, gotten rid of. Right. Uh, but I think we should, uh, just in terms of business examples here, we should go back to personnel departments because this is based on a person right. that is our essence, uh, the, wor the worth, value, and dignity that and comes out of us. Right. And that's more human. Mm -hmm. That's more... It's spiritual, but it's more it's more relational. That's right. Which is what we're here to do. How God made us. You know, speaking of relational, that, that, that's a good point. I want to get back to that. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, speaking of you know relational, I, 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 I want to introduce this notion that social media, uh, Twitter, Facebook, television, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. uh, beyond mm -hmm. media, we live in a world that is creating a stronger fight with morality and good yes because we are so visual mm -hmm. that we are taking our cues as to what and i know and i know you have a strong background in that mm. uh you know the, the cinematology and mm -hmm. and just understanding and and i've got a little bit of you know your master narrative you know history working you know in, in, in my studies as well but i think today moral and good mm. is being is 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 suffering the fight of the media telling us what is good, Isn't reality it? shows, rich bling. Mm -hmm. um, we we have personalities mm -hmm. that that are in spaces that are, that traditionally we have ascribed belong only to what we consider to be a good person. Mm -hmm. That's that's being challenged today. The yes. norms of or the definition, like I said in the very beginning, how we define good is being mm -hmm. stretched today, and it seems like the more we challenge, we allow good and moral to be our our. Our epistemology mm -hmm. as to what is good, which is the scripture, mm -hmm. which is the Bible, which is God. The more we allow other things to come in and be, and, and and contend, we, we start to blur the lines. Yeah, that, this is the real problem here. It's interesting that you mentioned social media because I, I more just, visual. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I just started teaching a, a class on Monday. Uh, it starts online, and then we have residency here in a few weeks. Uh, but the title of the class is theological interpretation of media. And mm -hmm. so on Monday, I sent an email to all of the class members, and uh, here are just some of the articles that I sent to them. Uh, smartphone addiction uh, impacts our manners and mood. Smartphone addiction impacts our manners and mood. That's out of the New York Times. Uh, social media ruins your sleep. This is out of the Daily Mail in the U.K. Social media ruins your sleep. And then one more, binge-watching. What binge-watching does to your brain out of NBC News. Mm -hmm. uh, really fascinating that uh, our focal point, of course, is that it's skewed because of what we see. And what we see is based on a Genesis 3 view, that is, when we do it wrongly. But what we need to do is get back to God's original intention, which is Genesis chapter 2. Mm -hmm. That is that God made his world in a certain way uh, that was good for us, and we need to come back and to pick up on the concept you were mentioning a moment ago, the stewarding it well, whatever right. it is we've been given. You know, yeah, because you see, I see social media as a gift. Mm, absolutely. I see the Internet yeah. as a gift. Sure. I see, I, I see phones as a gift and technology as a gift from God. You know, um, my statement is kind of two-part here. And, and Martin Luther King's final sermon, you know, there are many people who who, who would say that uh, at Mason Temple was his final sermon, uh, where I've been to the promised land. Mm. But actually it wasn't. That really wasn't a sermon. Martin Luther King had the flu. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't, Ralph Abernathy had spoken. He had just flown 
Under King had just flown in from Chicago dealing with the Poor People's Campaign, and he didn't want to speak. He wasn't feeling well. He was hoarse. So he went over and said a few words. That wasn't actually a sermon. Mm. His actual last sermon was March the 31st at the cathedral in Washington, D.C. And in that state, in that um, uh, sermon, March 31st, uh, Sunday morning, March 31st, before his death, he said, technology, and I quote, technology Hmm. has grown so that it has made the world a neighborhood. Hmm. However, we have still yet to cease to become a brotherhood. Ooh, there it is. With that said, Mark, we, we have a tremendous amount of advances and goods that have been given, goods in the sense of these blessings that, that we, we should be trying to steward. And, and be, but, but, but the problem is our love for one another yes. has not grown. Yes. This tells me, this suggests to me, that no matter what goods God has provided, it takes God to change the heart of man That's it. for us to be good stewards mm-hmm. of. Yeah. And we come back to the the origin and the source again yeah, right. that is going to give us the result. Absolutely. That, so we come full circle back Absolutely. to where we actually started uh, this this morning, and that is the, the idea that the change that has to take place is an internal change. So I, I'll repeat this statement. I'm sure I've made it maybe even here on this program. Social change comes from internal internal change based on an eternal source. I'll say that again. Social change comes from an internal change, which is based on an eternal source. We have to have the source from a righteous God who is established. So we have social change must be based on internal change. That is the new life we have in Christ. right based on an eternal source Absolutely. which comes out of heaven. There it is. Right. And I think that that's exactly that where you're, you're coming from. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. That, that, that's, a, that's a profound way to say it. There is no, if, 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 if the cosmos was created by God, which is going back to a statement that you said mm. earlier, mm. if he made it, Shouldn't we talk to him about how to maintain? It? <laughs> yeah, it would seem right. <laughs> you know, absolutely. You know, we we got we, we live in a world today. We've got products trying to tell the producer how to exist. That's right. Yeah, and we we, we cannot do that. Society, and, and I don't care. And, and this is just you know, I don't care how 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 we view it. We we cannot be better uh, without an experience with God that helps us see people. Mm. I'm not saying that you can't. I've said to you before, one of my most profound, uh, most impactful, I don't know how profound he was, he was impactful, uh, uh, instructors in my Ph.D. program, he was an atheist. Mm -hmm. He taught me a lot about how to work Mm -hmm. in uh, society with people with whom you may not agree. Right. You know, Um, and and you can do that. Mm Mm-hmm. People who, atheists and, and people who don't believe in Jesus and mm-hmm. people who do believe in Jesus can work together in society. But they, but, but, but the Christian is trying to serve God yes. to regenerate people, not just make a better, uh, uh, atmosphere. That's right. Because we want to regenerate people. That's right. And getting back to what you were saying, we believe that it is regenerating people right. that regenerates a lasting society. Yes. And and that's where and, and falling short of that is where many people are in society. They want a better society. And they will use the people believing that just people coming together mm-hmm. can make a better society. Right. No. Yes. People simply coming together does not make a better society. Better people. Yes. Coming together, make a better society. <laughs> That's right. You know. So when we focus again, as as we've been suggesting uh, here in the first couple of uh, 
moments of our show, the idea that uh, we have focused uh, in our culture on the external means by which change will arrive, we will always be disappointed by this. External means uh, by, of change never fully accomplishes what people set out to do. The only good change is an internal change that comes from an external source, as we just suggested. And when we focus, as Clyde has talked about earlier, about the focus on the eyes and don't uh, see uh, properly, coming out of Genesis chapter 1, uh, that we actually have been given this good by God. And then Genesis chapter 2, uh, God had created the trees which were good uh, and pleasing to the eye. What we end up doing then is uh, conforming to the problem passage in Genesis chapter 3 that the thing that we see that's pleasing to the eye, we have now corrupted by our own sinfulness. We have just been joined by our guest for the second hour, Commission Unley is here, and we are going to be taking a break right now just to kind of set us up. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We are uh, constantly interested in thinking about things from a biblical point of view, and this morning is no different. We will be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Uh, we have so many interesting and fun things going on around here. Uh, the conversation that takes place uh, in between our segments uh, is really a lot of fun, and we're really grateful for all of the listeners that we have, folks uh, in and around Indianapolis, but outside of Indianapolis and other states. Uh, hi, Mom. I know you're listening in Denver right now. It's really cool. you got a whole little group of folks out there listening to us. we got folks from around the world listening to us, so we're really grateful to be on air this morning. And uh, today we started off our uh, discussion uh, with the, this concept of doing good, this is the whole point of the radio show, Titus Chapter 3, to do good, do good, do good. And we focus on Indianapolis residents as well as nonprofits and churches and ministries that are doing good around Indianapolis. And Clyde and I were discussing the theological uh, vantage point of what good means, where it comes from in the scriptures, and how uh, not only do we need to see the results, but we need to understand the source of good. Clyde, you had some ideas here uh, before our guest uh, jumps in to the discussion about where you wanted to take this in terms of the concept of good. Yeah, so go right ahead. Right. I, um, you know, I opened up the conversation a little bit earlier, at least from my, my comments, relative to the, to the rich young ruler. Now, I may have said Matthew chapter 18, but it's actually Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19, where he approached Jesus and, and, and asked Jesus, what good, the master, what good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have a, uh, eternal life? That's in the 16th chapter of Matthew. And Jesus is said to him, we discussed earlier, why callest thou me good? There is none good but God. And that's, that, that got us into our epistemological, uh, which is knowledge sources, knowledge transmissions, where good comes from. And, and, and so, uh, you know, I wanted to kind of loop that conversation, end it, and kind of lead to uh, Miss Nunley here, I guess, uh, with what Jesus said to him. Jesus told him, well, listen, hey, if you, you, you're interested in good, don't do murder, you know, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear, bear false witness, honor your mother and father. Jesus went to, to, the, to, to, t to commandments to discuss this with him. And then the young man says something really interesting. He says, you know, all these things I've kept from my youth up. I've been keeping those that you mentioned at least, uh, the Ten Commandments. But what lack I yet? In other words, my quest and thirst to see the fulfillment of good in my life has not happened. Yes. Jesus responds, if you, if you want to be perfect, here's what you do. 
Go sell the goods that you have. Give them to the poor, and you shall have treasures in heaven. And come and follow me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Three things. You're going to have to release some stuff that's apparently hindering your ability to get a, to get a clarity about what is good. Mm-hmm. You're going to let some stuff go because it's blocking your view. Mm-hmm. The next thing you're going to have to do, you're going to have to t- take the proceeds, your prosperity, mm-hmm. and put other people on your mind. Mm-hmm. Give to the poor, he mm-hmm. tells them. You're going to have to sow into other people. You have, uh, and then the last thing you're going to have to do, once you've re- released yourself of what's been hindering, blocking your view, and you begin to make people a bigger priority in your life, I need you to commit to following me so I can mm-hmm. teach you how to practice good. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want you to see. And so a great deal of what his problem was, was he, he had wrong relationships, as you talked about earlier. He was using things. Jesus told you things have to go. They can't mm-hmm. be a priority. But then he had a wrong relationship with people. He hadn't been giving in to people properly. Why don't we do that? Mm. A lot of it has to do with what Miss Nunley talked about last week. Our poor stewardship of our uh, ourselves mm. relative to trauma. Mm. A lot of people have a, a desire to, 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 to be right, to, to steward right, to be better for the world. Mm. Even have a stronger desire to follow Christ. But the trauma, they can't get past the trauma. Miss mm. Nunley is here for part two of her discussion about mental health and trauma uh, to to help us all be better at it. Because I'm convinced that we can't even follow Christ properly if we don't get healing in the trauma. Miss uh, Kamish Nunley, we're glad to have you again. We want to open the Kamish Nunley, we're glad to have you again. We want to open the Kamish Nunley, we're glad to have you again. We want to open the Fnish Nunley. We're glad to have you again. We want to open the Fnish Nunley. We're glad to have you again. We want to open the Fnish Nunley. We're glad to have you again. We want to open the Fnish Nunley. We're glad to have you again. Lord, are you? The mic is yours. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Posley, and I appreciate being here again and you guys inviting me back. And I guess what I want to start with is what I sort of hear from that passage. And a lot of times, um, we are uh, we misconceive that it's all about what we do in order to gain um, uh, uh, benefits or blessings. And what I've learned in my own studies, as well as watching people um, and their stewardship of people's lives and what they've done to kind of help save lives or get people back on the right track, is that it he simply requires that we surrender to self, mm-hmm. we die to self, mm-hmm. um, which more is more about being than doing, mm-hmm. and that we have faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and, and and all of that will be blessed unto you when you have faith in Jesus Christ and you walk the walk with Him, completely um, separated. From self, but but a lot of times we're built in, especially in this society, on uh, this slavery mentality of of perfectionism, mm-hmm. of uh, I need to do this in order to get a reward. Yeah, I need to, to uh, get yeah. all these credentials mm-hmm. to make me um, uh, 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 credible for people, mm-hmm. um, and I need to become a pastor in order to, you know. To do ministry and things like that. And so I think a lot of times we fall victim to believing that our salvation lies in our own hand. Mm. 
And for me, in circumstances like that, when I've seen people, the trauma comes from the change. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of trauma in change. Mm -hmm. So surrendering to self can be very traumatic in and of itself. I, w I want you to stay on that line of... Um because I want to hear what you have to say next about that. But I have a question that you could kind of deal with and then go back to that line. Sure. Are you suggesting that there are a lot of people who believe that our greatest enemy, the adversary, mm -hmm. Satan. Mm -hmm. Are you suggesting that my, the biggest enemy to, to me healing mentally, emotionally is in myself? Me. Yes, it's the enemy enemy in me. That, that's, the, that's biblical. Paul, in Romans <laughs> chapter 7, that the discussion Paul was mm -hmm. having. And it comes in the form, it comes in the form of distorted ways of thinking, negative thinking patterns. Mm -hmm. It comes in the form of maybe not being uh, raised up, but having to grow up. Um, it wow. comes in the form of parent pain um, and how we've learned to identify. Um and what we've learned to identify with, I, I see a lot of times, especially in the church, um, people saying, well, if you pray harder, if you do this or if you do that, then God will deliver you as if God is a genie in a bottle. And you can just rub the lamp mm -hmm. and he's going to come out and say, poof, mm -hmm. here you go. But in the change uh, model, um, it brings and calls your attention to the fact that, no, there's no self included in this mm -hmm. it's all about being mm -hmm. and learning how to just be but if you don't have a foundation of who you are what cloth you're coming from the types of thoughts that you keep on a regular basis then that can be very traumatic for some and honestly the change process is where we lose a lot of clientele i had um i at my uh company i uh, train a lot of interns and I had an intern call me one day and say, Miss Commission, like, how do you continue so fervently in what you do when you never get to see the changes in people's lives? And my response to her was, uh, it's all in how you measure seeing change. First of all, my identity is wrapped in the goodness of God. And so I know I can't, I don't have the power to change, to change people. Right. That's God's job. My job is only to water the seed that he's planted and to help them see it. And so just small things, small measurable changes, I get gratification from. Not as, you know, glorification from my doing, but seeing God work through their lives. And that makes it a lot easier mm -hmm. to uh, stay so uh, committed to this work and realizing that I'm not doing this so I can say, hey, I helped change you. Or, hey, uh, you made this measurable progress, and it's owned to me right. and me seeking glory. I do this uh, to build the kingdom of God and also uh, to do what he's called me to do, which is have faith in him that whatever I'm doing in that person's life, he will later show them when and where it's necessary. Hmm. He will not return void. Yes. I want to, I you know, I wanna, further along the lines of your conversation, um, why, you, you made a statement earlier, uh, about trauma and how uh, change, not yes. not not uh, about change, rather. Yes. Why do you believe? Or why do you contend that uh, uh, change is so traumatic? Can be traumatic, so mm -hmm. traumatic for people. Um, mostly, Relative I believe that change is traumatic because we're asking people to go through a reformational process, mm -hmm. 
And change doesn't exist just on the outer surface. It exists mostly, what you guys talk about most in here, is from an internal source. And many people live their lives in the dark based on the hurts and the traumas that they've endured that they've learned to avoid or Mm -hmm. numb. And so when I call attention or I bring light to those things, many people are not comfortable. They just want this anecdotal answer to what they can do. If I'm feeling fear, can I count backwards from 10 and then not Mm -hmm. feel the fear anymore? Mm -hmm. And I'm like, sweetheart, it goes a lot deeper than that. (laughs) A lot deeper than that. that. So Mm -hmm. that becomes traumatic because they're facing their Mm -hmm. inward selves Mm -hmm. and they're trying to uh, create, uh, and I'm not sure the terminology for it, they're trying to create a new reality of sorts Mm -hmm. based on who they are from the inside out, Mm -hmm. not from the outside in. And that for them makes them confront a lot of traumatic issues wherein says to them, I can continue in my default mechanisms or my default thoughts or the way that I've been doing things, or I can challenge myself to rise above and pull from in and grow. And a lot of people are afraid to do that. I I hear the term quite often, fear of failure, but many times people fear success. Mm -hmm. And and, in many ways, that's really good. In in many ways it sounds like, that uh, what some people do is actually cre- create another persona as a as a as a means of self medicating, mm-hmm. which is which becomes another either symptom mm-hmm. or maybe diagnosis. I don't know, mm-hmm. but but created cre- create another persona, trying to avoid dealing with that yeah. you. And so there's a theorist out there that that backs that up. His name is um, Sullivan Sullivanian theory, where he says you have your ideal self who you believe you really are, and the real self usually lies in between. Mm. And people in this culture nowadays are so akin to being that ideal self Mm -hmm. that they miss out on who their true selves are and therefore miss out on the lessons that life has to teach them in terms of the gifts that they have, in terms of the purpose or the destiny that they need to be leaving out because they're so focused on the external self and how you're going to perceive me. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so many times they get wrapped. For, for someone else. Yeah, they get wrapped into, um, and, and we see it a lot of times um, in reality shows. Mm-hmm. They get wrapped into this ideal of who they should be that they completely start to overshadow who they really are, which the who they really are is what sustains them in the end. But they are so used to grabbing a hold of this facade and these materialistic things that they they um, they they create this alternative way of of being that is not true in any way, shape, or form to who they are, and reinforces guilt and shame and blame or condemnation on a regular basis. It sure sounds like uh, something we were just discussing before mm-hmm. we came back on air when we were discussing. That's how God works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we were discussing the training of the physical body. We won't go into any details here, but the point is that focus in this life and specifically in this culture is so much external as you've well suggested Mm. we've been talking about that this whole whole time the emphasis on the external changes how much time do you think that people spend uh, developing or training the internal versus the external yeah how would how do you see that well my thought is that you know our culture doesn't give much gravity to internal, um, which to me is why mental health is so so highly stigmatized. 
um, because we don't spend enough time understanding emotion. We don't spend enough time understanding identity uh, on a pure, from a pure uh, uh, aspect. Um, we spend a lot of time on uh, what you see apart from me and what I would like you to see and, and have that, ident- have that uh, 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 define who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so ask that question one more time because I, I, I was bringing that up for a reason. Sure. So the, the question it has to do with the training. So how much time do you think? Right. Uh, how much sh- time? Yeah. How much time should we do training internally? External versus external. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I, my belief is that right now we don't spend even half of our time focused on uh, internal training. I think it's, it's around maybe 80-20, to be honest, where majority of our time is spent uh, – uh, Focusing on external and what you see, um, especially in, with folks in leadership, mm-hmm. uh, folks who um, uh, are in celebrity lives, uh, my thought is that it needs to be flipped. I think 80% of the time we need to focus on who we are. I mean, we consider the story of the prodigal son. He didn't get there until he started to focus inwardly. Came to himself. And, 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 and I had a pastor once say it was the longest journey of his life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Um, because then he started to invoke things that he had no clue that he had resourced inside of himself. So mm-hmm. to me, when he shifted and allowed himself to self-reflect right. and ask for God to purify his heart, he went through that purification process. Um, that is when you really start to develop and, and live out God's true purpose for you in this life. There is a, a, an important word in the Psalms that's repeated over and over and over again. It's Salah. And Salah in Hebrew uh, means to stop, to ponder, to meditate, to consider, to think about, and about 20 other things it means. But the bottom line to all of this, as the psalmists are writing what they wrote, all of which, by the way, is this internal development of self, um, the necessity is that we stop mm-hmm. and think and consider mm-hmm. and ponder and meditate and, 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 because this is such an important issue for us. And like you've said, you know, we need to flip the 2080 back again so yeah. we spend more time thinking about ourselves. Exactly. That's an important issue. And learning or training our minds to become more mindful um, and taking moments, mm-hmm. um, which to me uh, can be done through meditation. It can be done through prayer. Mm-hmm. It can be done through just, you know, sitting silent. There's sometimes where I drive home and I just I want to sit in silence because I, I want <laughs> to process. But doing that, creating those mindful mm-hmm. moments, in essence, you're creating, you're, you're allowing your brain to restructure itself. Yes. Where it's, it's building in a section uh, and opening up a self-soothing uh, arena mm. and therefore allowing us to more readily um, um, sit with ourselves right. and be with ourselves. There has been uh, this new emphasis, uh, at least it's new in the sense that I've, I've seen it over the last year, maybe 6 to 12 months, Uh, with this word popping up all over the place, which is mindfulness. Now, of course, this concept, uh, if it's brought from a non-biblical vantage point, is simply that, you know, I'm reflecting inward or in a Buddhistic, Hinduistic vantage point where my focus is just on myself, where I'm emptying myself. But, of course, when the Psalms are concerned here, we're not focused on ourselves. We are not emptying ourselves of anything. We are meditating on the scriptures, mm. and there is the crucial mm-hmm. concern and difference 
is the source of where we're getting our mindfulness from. Mm, I would agree um, partially insofar as um, anything that we... uh, uh, take upon ourselves in terms of creating that place. Now, I know it can come from very dark sources, mm-hmm. too. I don't sure. want to be naive to that. But um, anytime we take an opportunity to create a level of mindfulness, there's a guy named Herman Dewey Word, and he's a Dutch guy, and he said that there's no thought, no uh, activity, no science that can be had, no theory that can be had that does not come from a spiritual source. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when he makes that claim, um, it makes me uh, uh, reflect on, you know, that there's no opportunity not to include spirituality in any thoughts or values that we have mm-hmm. because it's based theory-wise on uh, what's spiritual. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And this is such an important topic. We need to come back to it after we take a break. Uh, but your uh, this concept of mindfulness and uh, that we have a source uh, resting in a biblical view uh, is huge and important. Uh, you're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We're going to take a song break, and we'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, Radio TV at the Cool Groove site. We are discussing really important concepts, uh, and I wanted to tag into uh, my website, warpandwoof.org. Uh, just yesterday we posted uh, my two-hour teaching on psychology, pain, and promise. And if you're at all interested in the linkage between psychology and film and the concepts of pain and promise, uh, do check that out at warpandwoof.org. Uh, the question about why should we hate evil and love good? Uh, there's actually a tagline there on my um, my Facebook page about that. If you if anybody out there is interested in such things, but that's essentially what we're discussing here today: uh, this connection between the internal self and how we are viewing or dealing with the external issues of trauma that we might face. And Miss Commission Nunley is here with us again this week, and we're really g- grateful for your uh, being with us again. Uh, where would we like to take this next segment in terms of trauma? Uh, Clyde, take it away. Yeah, you know, I was I was thinking, and let me just say, I think uh, Commissioner Nunley is one of Indianapolis's best kept secrets in this. Amen. In, in this in this field of of uh, mental health, and um, from a Christian perspective or not, she's just she, she's brilliant, and and, I, and we're going to do all we can do to make sure that she's known um, more prolific way. But um, we were discussing off air just a second ago how, you know, what do you say to the person who knows God is sovereign and knows that ultimately uh, nothing can happen in a world where God is sovereign, even though we as Christians have dominion? Um, what do you say to that person who, who's allowed, who, who knows God is sovereign and allowed the trauma to happen in their lives and, uh, and they're now... Um, you know, disenfranchised about God. Just you know, just not uh, don't just don't believe life can get any better. Mm. Is there any benefit to trauma? Mm. You know, mm. Romans uh, eight says that we know that all things work together for the good. What good is there to any trauma? Right. No, and I and I think that this is a really sort of nuanced question, mm. and I'd like to talk about a little bit. Um, of the trauma model for especially for African Americans mm. you know it goes back to the days of slavery and you know 
for for a number number of years, uh, we were beaten, uh, killed, thrashed um, in all sorts of ways, Denigrated. and mm-hmm. it never. Uh, sometimes uh, uh, people don't really realize that you know with going through all of that, we were never afforded counselors mm. or things like that to process through that trauma. So that trauma just became a part of our human experience, a part of our family. It's what it's what our family systems are built on, according to Willie Lynch, in terms of how to break a slave. Mm-hmm. You know, our, our family systems are built in and around trauma. Mm-hmm. And so we fast forward to today, that trauma didn't just go away. Right. It's still there. It's still there. And so we're still living out some of those generational cycles mm-hmm. where there's inner uh, family uh, 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 molestations and and uh, physical abuse of sorts and uh, identity crisis. difficulty, identity crisis, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, difficulty verbalizing things effectively but being more um, aggressive in our ways of communicating things, which also language can cause trauma. And so when I f- reflect on that, I, I, I like to look at how far we've evolved in the trauma uh, process as a people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it caused my attention to the reason behind suffering all those years. And one of my favorite verses, Psalms 119.71, is what I brought up last time. Uh, where David, who was uh, quite emotional in and of himself, it was a good uh, thing. So, yeah, yeah, says in that um, uh, I have been afflicted so that I might learn your statutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, similar to what I said last time, people don't always turn to God uh, with the understanding that He will purify, mm-hmm. and not that He allowed the pain to exist, but He can take that pain and turn it to good. He can use those pain points and make you a better person right. from that. And we have the entire story of Job proving that that God, yes. God, uh, Satan did not, Satan did not in, uh, to seek to pursue God right. as Satan. Right. Have you considered my servant mm-hmm. Job? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so, uh, when we do turn to the Word, it highlights within us where our pain points existed Mm -hmm. and how they have come together uh, for our good, Mm -hmm. uh, especially when we're on the end of healing Mm -hmm. from them. Uh, I remember that I was working on a book a number of years ago that I just never (laughs) published, but it was called called The Beautiful Gifts of Abuse. Um, Clinically Mm -hmm. speaking, when we are abused, um, it allows our brain structures to develop differently. Uh, insofar as it, it's where the performing arts comes from, F- behind almost every musician, every artist of Mark, some sort. That's what I was saying earlier today. <laughs> that, that, that's that's what I was alluding to without trying to get into yeah. it. That's he, he spoke about uh, the antebellum period, the Civil War, Civil War period, how many of the anthems came out of that pain, mm-hmm. and a lot of people's good was born out of. Yeah. I, a hope. Right. That is so, this and is so the show to be listening to. That's right. <laughs> we look at the family structure and going back to the, you know, the history and the trauma, the development of trauma, um, and we start to see how even though it has a lot of negatives, it also comes with a lot of positives insofar as how we've learned to love mm-hmm. one another. In the black community, my black people, I mean, we are one of the most accepting, I hope I'm saying that right, accepting, ex- I can never get that word either. Uh, people, 
mm-hmm. where you can come from a foreign place, enter into our church, and we're greeting you like your family. Mm-hmm. We're even giving you nicknames and things right. like that. We are some of the most accepting people, uh, especially when we allow ourselves to get rid of uh, 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 the facades that we're trying to hold up or, or how we're trying to measure up to certain people. Mm-hmm. But once you get to the inner of the African-American community, mm-hmm. we accept you as mm-hmm. a whole. And that's a strength uh, that we've learned, you know, because we've learned that when someone is uh, being tortured or when someone's being mm-hmm. uh, threatened in terms of their life, we want to help protect you. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying that's not for all people. Mm-hmm. I can only speak to my experience. Um, and so that's one of the strengths that have been cultivated is that we're very family oriented mm-hmm. and that we're very accepting of others. Mm-hmm. So um, there are gifts that come from pain points. In fact, sometimes uh, people will tell me so much uh, like God called us to suffer. Well, why does he call us to suffer? Because it's in that suffering that you turn your attention to him and he uh, exposes you to his secrets and the desires of your heart are allowed to come into fruition. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? And we yes. come back to that baseline idea that comes right out of Genesis again, Genesis fifty twenty. When Joseph speaking to his brothers, he said, you meant it to me for bad, but God meant it to me for good. Absolutely. Uh, this concept of the performing arts coming out of trauma, all, mm. of, that's, all of those kinds of things. Uh, one of the ways that we introduced the show uh, today was uh, I'm in this class at IUPUI, Civil War Literature and, and Culture, and I'm doing, I just did a paper today on the antebellum folk songs. Uh, most people know them as the Negro spirituals mm. and the trauma that we see there, mm-hmm. but then the connection to how do how do the slaves look at their future, mm. uh, not only their present, but also their future. Mm-hmm. And this anticipation of something better mm-hmm. yet to come was a good thing. But nonetheless, going through that process, mm-hmm. oh, my word, that's just a, the abysmal awfulness of mm-hmm. it all. So uh, getting back to the issue of trauma, though, when we – uh, st- stop to consider uh, the implications of what this means for us. Let's take this down the road and connect it back to the goodness again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goodness that we started our program with today and connecting trauma to goodness. Uh, maybe we could come up with some more examples or mm-hmm. directions that we could go with that particular thought. Well, you know, I, I believe that the greatest good that Christianity offers to humanity is wholeness. I want to say that again. I, 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 without question, in my perspective, mm. my Christian view, the greatest good that Christianity offers to the human experience is the whole person. Mm-hmm. Out of which you have said mm-hmm. society becomes enriched, mm-hmm. uh, all of these things. Mm-hmm. Not just healing, right. but wholeness. I spoke about the leper uh, last week, uh, nine of which came, I don't know mm-hmm. if I did, did hear at Bible study, but nine came back who were healed. One came back thankful. Christ pronounced him whole. Mm-hmm. What I see Kamish uh, doing is is helping people go from tra- traumatic pain to the, to the process of wholeness, which mm-hmm. leads through healing. Mm-hmm. Because I don't think she can make people whole. I don't think she's trying to make people whole. She's giving them the tools yes. to become whole. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and I, I think the church has got to find a way to, to, to incorporate mental health mm-hmm. ministry mm-hmm. 
in a more profound way. With uh, uh, Miss Nunley, Mrs. Nunley was was talking earlier. Uh, she talked about that that we we our culture. And I was going to ask her before I had to, as I was listening, uh, I was going to ask her when, to define culture. Mm. I kind of know what she meant, you know, but I was going to ask her to define culture. I think she meant, you know, our institutions, the church, yes. uh, our employees, yes. uh, our companies, yes. uh, and, and our family, our family's structures, uh, and, and in what we do. Mm-hmm. We, 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 we as, as, as talk show hosts, we, we have to keep in mind that to be really spiritual, mm. Is, is to incorporate the fact that mental health healing mm. and wholeness are not only a part of, of, of true a society g- gaining and growing properly, but it's a part of the, it's got to become a stronger part of the Christian approach. Yeah. yeah. And this has got to mark. This warp and woof creating the fabric of life, Colossians one seventeen, yeah. the wholeness and the fabric, you know, absolutely. This is the reason why you and I get along so well together because <laughs> we agree about the baseline stuff, man. This is yeah. great stuff. Yeah. yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the tools that you help people with in terms of getting toward this wholeness that we're concerned about. Absolutely. So um as I mentioned in the last uh show is that I've been on a journey to, uh, or I've been on a push to include my uh, understanding of the Bible, my spiritual walk with God, uh, into the work that I do as a mental health counselor. And um, it's been quite successful. Um, and so that, that I really get an opportunity to tap on people's strengths and bring it into the counseling um, arena um, and one of the people that um, I enjoy that I talked about last time is Dr. Matthew Stevenson, and uh, it makes sense to refer to his language uh, because he's an ordained minister and he's been doing this for quite a while, is I help people understand uh, the language of emotional wounding, um, how they've been wounded, um, the causes of it, and what they can do in order to heal from that level of wounding. And so I sort of take people through this process of developing a pain plan. Um, similar to what I said last time, we are, we are all human, and a part of the human experience is going through some levels of pain. Mm-hmm. So to try to avoid them is to try to not be human, in mm-hmm. essence. And people do a lot of things in order to avoid pain. Mm-hmm. Um, and so part of what I do is I help people explore the etiology of the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I help. Uh, I start off with assessing them, especially if they're coming in uh, because of spiritual um, issues. I start off with assessing um, uh, mother-father wounds, which are just consistent with, with divine order, where we say that um, in order for anything to exist in this world, it needs its mother and its father. Um, there's no human or no thing that can come into existence unless those two things are available, mm-hmm. right? And so when one of those things are missing even after the birth has been manifested, um, it creates dysfunction or disease. Um, and when that disease is there, a lot of times people don't realize the magnitude of it. They don't realize the mm-hmm. fathering spirit mm-hmm. is in charge of what? Pro- providing, protecting and given identity. Mm. The mothering spirit is in charge of stability, teaching, and nurturing. And so when that's not there, then there's a dysfunction of sorts that creates itself. And so in developing a pain plan, I give them assessment to find out 
what are their varying levels of dysfunctions and where's the etiology. Now, that's not to say that all wounds come from our childhood, but many of them do, uh, and we call it parent pain. And so in developing a pain plan, we explore it. Um, we get to understand the patterns of the pain. Um, we understand, again, the what we call family of origin issues uh, in the clinical world. Um, and then we move into the second phase of, like, processing through it where I start to be able to kind of give them language um, and insight into what their pain means or what their pain is saying about their everyday lives and and their experiences, as well as calling attention to behaviors that reinforce that pain. Mm. Um, And then we move into the change process uh, of that pain plan where we start to introduce um, what change looks like. And, again, this is where a lot of people kind of fall off because it it becomes quite a challenge to do that, where I introduce new ideas, um, new definitions of what they've gone through, uh, uh, new uh, information in total uh, as far as re-scripting and restructuring their thought patterns. Um, And then, of course, we move past that if they can succeed into terminating in terms of how do we exist without the counselor in your life and pull from within on these things. Uh, Does that answer your question as far as the practical tools? So it can be taking any one verse and breaking down the psychological um, uh, ramifications of that verse and applying uh, different tools like um, dialectical behavioral therapy. It is very spiritual in nature. Um, And so I can pull tools from that. Um, CBT in terms of cognitive restructuring. I can pull from that in terms of introducing different tools. Um, I can help them understand vulnerability on a deep level and how to create a safeness with being vulnerable, which helps to shape uh, a different level of a rea- reality where people are so externally focused. Vulnerability allows you to be more internally focused. Um, so I pull from a lot of different areas in order to kind of break down scripture and feed it to them in practical ways. And there are so many different pieces of truth out there, Mm -hmm. and you're doing exactly what Clyde's suggesting. That is that the Christian message brings us back to wholeness. Mm -hmm. You're concerned with saying, you know what, the dialectics uh, over here actually have something Mm -hmm. to teach us. We can draw from that. Uh, The trauma specialists have something to teach us over here. We can draw from that Mm -hmm. because in it we see the truth of God. What really interests me uh, about this discussion right now is is the mother-father connection because every, uh, all of us sitting at this table right now are practicing what Paul talked about in 1 Thessalonians 2, 7 mm. to 12, where he calls himself, I have been a mother and a father to mm. you. And I find that fascinating that uh, Paul takes it upon himself to say that as a Christian leader, mm-hmm. my responsibility is not only to bring the identity, the protection, the provision, as you well yeah. suggest, from the dad, but the nurturing, teaching aspect of the mom. Mm-hmm. And boy, both of those things working in tandem are so strong. Mm-hmm. And that connection then, of course, for us as Christian leaders is essential. Absolutely, because, yeah. you know, God put, I'm sorry, put the fathering spirit in the church. Right. And he put the Holy Spirit, which is much like the mothering spirit, in, right. the, in, the, in the being. Right. And so it just cultivates this environment of feeling protected um, and and kind of growing up in his word um, or, or being raised up in his word where you have a solid foundation. 
You know, that, that I, I, I'm sitting here just full of so many ideas, and I, and I don't want to just be gushing about, you know, what you're saying, but you, I just really see the ministry taking place, as, as just as you're even speaking, uh, Ms. Nunley. Um, you know, a couple of things. One real quick, and I want to get to something else. I just think it's so profound that you said. But, you know, uh, when we look at um, uh, there's this notion today, and, and some statistics prove, that millennials, which is an age group you would probably be in, mm-hmm. uh, millennials are leaving the church uh, in groves. Yeah. And, 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 and so, and, and, I, and when I think about this, the father, the, the family structure, mm. the parent, many churches, most churches are about 85% female. Mm. And so you have this, in many churches, you have babes coming to Christ, people being baptized, and, they, and often they're, they're being born into a structure that is dysfunctional in many instances. Mm-hmm. You don't have, in many instances, strong men, or sometimes you have an overworked pastor mm-hmm. who's expected to do be the butcher, the baker, and the candlestick maker. Mm-hmm. But but you definitely have women, mm-hmm. and you definitely have probably elder women who are strong and who you know. And, and many, but a lot of times, the reason that babes in the kingdom don't function well is they're not born into a strong environment. Where there's a there's a there's the father giving identity and giving the to, to, to protection and the persona of these things mm-hmm. and the nurturing of the woman mm-hmm. and so that's just something something for other our listeners to kick around you know but you know you, it, 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 when I was writing my dissertation to do my second point mm-hmm. uh, and I can't remember this author that I quoted um, he's an interesting name but he had he he contended that uh, the most powerful component in society to bring change is how we handle words, is our stewardship of words. Mm-hmm. Hebrews 11 and 3 says that the worlds were framed mm-hmm. by the word of God, by mm-hmm. the language. Mm-hmm. First thing God did was speak. Mm-hmm. And then when he made our salvation in John chapter 1, he calls Jesus the word. Mm-hmm. You know what? People are held in places. Mm-hmm. Subjugated, cultures are subjugated by titles and words. It is arguably so, uh, uh, Lacan kind of argues this, that, that words could, are, 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 the, are some of the most powerful signifiers that control the master narrative, mm. what people think of themselves in their own mental dialogue. The, he suggested that in, in, the notion that there's a discourse constantly going on in the minds of people, and that's full of words, either words you've embraced from people or labels you've given yourself, but you somehow, if we're not careful, we and maybe this is happening, Kamish, uh, uh, but we have allowed labels mm. to control mm-hmm. our opinion of ourselves based on another person's opinion of ourselves, and that controls the master narrative. Mm-hmm. They, the, the 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 grand the grand theme is telling us we're one thing or not. We believe it. And say that about ourselves, or say that about the other people, or whatever the case. And before you know it, here's a, we have an identity controlled by someone else's words. Mm-hmm. So I brought that up to say, if the words often lead to the trauma, mm-hmm. or are great purveyors of the uh, of the uh, trauma, that makes what you're saying so much sense. Uh, uh, so the healing then has to come from a deconstructionist theory. Yeah. About the words yes, that we use, yeah, and out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Yes, right? absolutely. Um, it starts in the mind. Absolutely, it starts with our thought processes. It starts with 
um, what we allow ourselves to believe on. A lot of times in trauma, mm-hmm. um, we learn to be a, believe a lie about ourselves. Believe, believe. And so our entire narrative of our, our, our lives are lived out underneath this lie. Right. And, you know, the last thing the enemy wants is us to expose the right. lie. That's the right. lie can look like fear. It can look like um, sadness. It can look like all right. of those things. We got into this trouble because but Eve believed a lie. Mm. Thoughts are governed by language. That's right. Governed mm-hmm. by language. Say that and again. So <laughs> thoughts are governed by language. language. And so whatever we're thinking, mm-hmm. we're speaking right. in some form of Right. Uh, reference and so I've learned to become keen on the type of language that I hear insofar mm-hmm. as uh, listening for emotional wounding mm-hmm. listening for father wounds mother wounds listening for uh, the type of things that you cultivate that and uh, yeah which is why you know I just did a, a, a training here recently about um, gossip gossiping oh and my God. the <laughs> type of culture that creates within the culture and how when you put something out there about someone, you are in essence creating energy and matter surrounding that one thing versus going straight to that right. person um, and talking to them about it. And all you're doing in those moments is creating an avenue where you can in some way, shape, or form feel superior uh, uh, or have some level of power and control over another person to trump them instead of building the kingdom of God and taking it to that person. So you're literally manifesting matter out of your thought with the utilization of words. Of words. And so people don't realize that. And so I try to be very cautious on the gossip that I entertain or even uh, 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 practicing any level of gossiping about any one person because God's looking. Absolutely, and, listening. and listening. Absolutely, and he hears the words that you use, and so it's not very, you know, it's not very surprising to me when you speak something about someone in a negative uh, frame of reference, and uh, that same thing comes back to you. Absolutely, because you're in essence projecting onto that person your displacement into the atmosphere and, and into the world about right. yourself. That's right, and so right. you're putting out there the matters of your heart to someone else. God hears it, and he says, okay, I'm going to show you you through this. Does that make sense? That is powerful. And so um, I talk to people all the time. You know, I've been trained as a neurolinguistic programmer, um, and words uh, manifest into actual mat- matter um, when you use them. And it's, it's, there's a study once done on how it crystallizes water. Um, where you can say some very positive things and have a bottle of water in your hand. And if a person pushes down on your hand, it's really immovable. But as soon as you start to say something negative, you push down and there's no way to hold it. And the water becomes much more crystallized in that process, which means words carry energy um, into this world. And so you have to be careful on how you use them and use them with a pure heart and coming from a place of love. Man, I just I just want to start preaching right now. <laughs> Words, but I, I'm holding back. You I just to want to know. To get done. I She's, know I'm holding wow, back now. Yeah. Wow, that's 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 powerful. Sorry, that's I speak really in stories. Powerful. That is so. <laughs> this is very important. So very that, important. That, that speaks to so many things in the body of Christ in my life. You know, just 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 words, words. The whole world is 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 hinging on how we handle words. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. We, and it starts with, you mentioned this earlier when we were talking about Genesis 1, uh, the very first thing that we, we see God doing is speaking. Right. Uh, let there be. Right. And God said. How many right. times? Like 2,500, as I recall. Mm-hmm. 2,500 times it oh, says in First Testament, and the Lord said. Mm-hmm. And the Lord said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is something that is crucial when we That's talk right. about authority. We're, the authority structures that we hold dear. Mm-hmm. So the authority comes out of words which come from a person. Mm-hmm. So it depends on what people we're listening to, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Absolutely. We, and and we always have to consider the source. And, and so whenever I see someone following after a pastor or just completely dependent on someone else's words right. uh, uh, about any one thing, I am skeptical. Um, and I want to call be. their That's attention right. to because uh, God is a jealous God. <laughs> That's right. And That's we right. can't serve people and serve him at the same time. That's right. And so if you're following them because their words are beautiful and colorful mm-hmm. and they hit home every now and again and you start becoming overly dependent on their words to get you through, well, then we're disconnecting from God. It's idolatry. Yes. Yeah, we have, uh, Absolutely. when I first started teaching in the 1980s, I would tell my students all the time, this is not echolology. Uh, this is Acts 17.11. Be Bereans. Bereans were more noble in the Thessalonians because they went to see if what Paul said was true. Right. So you're giving them tools. That's exactly what we're talking about here. We're not giving them these dogmatic dictates that somehow you have to slavishly the follow these ideas right. and that therefore all these good or bad things will come. You give people tools to help them through the process because then the Spirit of God takes over with those tools mm-hmm. and does exactly what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. exactly. So just allowing them that exposure and understanding, um, that in and of itself is therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, of course, become concerned with doing, what do I need to do to get better, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. But sometimes awareness can mean a world of good right. so that you understand, here's how you're functioning mm-hmm. in right. life. Um, and here's how you're not seeing yourself in that functioning. Mm-hmm. Um, if we can retrain that, rescript that, reconstruct that, then perhaps you can live a happier, healthier life. There's so much that cross currents here. I'm just sitting there thinking, wow. (laughs) Yeah. I'm thinking about the morning worship. You know, we sing songs, Mm -hmm. words. Let me think about this. Mm -hmm. And then we hear the message, Mm -hmm. words. Mm -hmm. We hear the doxology, Mm -hmm. words. So God wants, so God is expecting us Mm -hmm. to create an atmosphere Pleasing to him, that honors him, that glorifies him out of, well, from, from words, from sincere hearts. And it's mm-hmm. the words that contain the content of that's what, necessary. Of, of the message that we're right. trying to convey. He's trying to And, and same, same with God. That's right. What he is saying to us contains what his heart is about us. There's the content. And yeah. so often you mentioned uh, preaching and being involved in church and worship and so on. You know, frankly, uh, you see some churches that are really focused on content over communication, mm-hmm. and some are over-focused on communication over content. Mm-hmm. So you see this thing going both mm-hmm. ways, and we need to get back to seeing how they fit together. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And not even underestimating that um, the consistency of the words used, because mm-hmm. over 50% of what we communicate is from what we don't say. Wow. Body um, language. Yeah, yeah, body language is huge in that. Mm-hmm. And so um, I can be saying... It's like that false humility. I can be saying these things to you, but my language, my body language is communicating Mm. something way different Mm. than that, Um, which a lot of times is a barrier, uh, what we call out of congruency or incongruent with uh, what you're saying. 
A lack of wholeness. Yes, a lack of wholeness. And so bringing that to the forefront and allowing them to see, no, this walk with God, I mean, this is not a play thing. We don't just say these things and recite verbiage um, just because. Like, we live this, we breathe this, we believe this. And so when I see a disconnect between what you're saying and what you're gesturing or how you're positioning yourself mm-hmm. or what you're saying with your uh, micro-expressions of your face, mm-hmm. then I'm saying to you, no, that has to be dealt with. That has to be uh, brought out into the forefront so that we can attack whatever is attacking you. We have about five minutes left, and we want to make sure that um, – you have an opportunity to maybe tell people some things about what you're doing in Indianapolis, uh, where they can find you, maybe some uh, some bullet points or maybe exclamation points, as <laughs> it were, as to what it is in your life that's really important and how you're helping people in Indianapolis. Absolutely. Um, so my company, Healing Your Hidden Hurts, has a, been on quite a journey, um, especially with the mental health ministry. I am starting to work in several arenas, um, where I've been in collaboration with how I come to know Dr. Echo, uh, Courageous Conversations through the Bridge con- uh, Connection. Bridge, yeah, Foundation, yes, yep. yes. And, you know, working and, and developing curriculum for that as far as how do we, you know, help our youth who are suffering with more political and socioeconomic mm-hmm. issues. Um, I'm also partnered with the WNBA uh, Indiana Fever wow. for my anti-bullying uh, work and we have an event coming up on May 8th where we're just asking all of our um, elementary preschool kids to come out and learn from the fever on why it's not appropriate to bully oh, and why great. it's important to be assertive and mm-hmm. what we can do to be mm-hmm. assertive and it's called Building Resiliency in Children and teens. Um, and so that's coming up. And so we're asking for like donations to kind of go towards uh, that project and uh, be uplifted. Um, I'm also involved in uh, partnering with uh, the Youth Assistance Program in Fishers. Uh, I serve on their board. Um, and they are really good with connecting kids and families to resources in and out the community. And they really do have like a hands-on approach where they walk you from start to finish. Um, and it can be anything from housing to, um, you know, finding counseling at lower rates, things like that. So I'm, I'm quite busy, um, n- not like unlike anyone else. Uh, as far as what sustains me, I, I keep the main thing the main thing. Uh, the main thing for me is God and his His is messages that he's continuing to feed into me um and every morning that i wake up my entire morning is dedicated to him uh and understanding him and and being trained so i allow myself to sit in the place of student before expert with him every every morning um uh, not that i would ever be expert with him but you know just allow myself to be trained by the things that he feeds into me and, and staying focused on that So um, it's really created a word that I know you guys don't like too often, a a level of balance um, in me between my work because ministry work is hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mental health work is hard. Mm -hmm. Um, And being a leader comes with a great amount of conflict. So if I don't sustain and surrender to myself and allow myself that level uh, uh, of edification of sorts, uh, then, you know, I'm coming from a very uh, un un settled foundation and i need to come from a settled foundation in order to lead god's people mm-hmm. appropriately so 
That's a fantastic word. Uh, Clyde, we've got a minute left. Uh, tell us uh, about your thoughts here this morning. Yeah, I'm just excited to hear that, that at least some of my um, – Mental health is intact. I, I have a habit that she has every day. <laughs> you know, I, I, I sit before two experts. Mm-hmm. I have my own devotion. Mm-hmm. I talk to God, mm-hmm. but I sit before a some a spiritual teacher mm-hmm. on on television. Mm-hmm. So I sit I, someone that speaks to me, mm-hmm. and I'm going to listen as a mm-hmm. student, and then I, and then I listen to a political. Uh, uh, expert, mm-hmm. someone who's has given their life to to knowing political views, because it's this world we live in. I want to stay connected to it. Mm-hmm. So just to hear that that you sit before people that that's important. Mm-hmm. I appreciate hearing that. I want to take this just about twenty seconds and say thank you. Mm-hmm. We're gonna talk on after after the show a little bit, but thank you. You are truly an expert. <laughs> Well, you really are. I know, I know and, and, and in the spirit of Christ, you are humble. But I want to say out, outside of you, you know, you, you are blessed. You are, mm-hmm. you are, you, the hand of God is on you, you know. That, that is, you are really blessed. There is no limit to what God is going to do with you. You are as profound as any of the experts that you listen to in your field. Mm-hmm. And I mean that. I'm not trying to juice you up i'm not trying to impress you mm. i want you to know as a pastor and a person who's been doing this for 30 years mm-hmm. i should be able to recognize the hand of god on someone mm. beyond just mm. a basic conversation you are anointed to do you exist mm-hmm. you have tapped into your purpose mm-hmm. you exist to do what you're doing and god gets the glory he, absolutely <laughs> we is. are better there it is. We, we know God better, having listened to you. Mm. So to God be the glory. Mm. Thank you, Mark, for introducing her to our program, and mm. thank you for your graciousness coming on. And you will be back. we got to find a way to make you reoccur. Uh, <laughs> there you go. There you go. You've been listening to Warp and Roof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site, and uh, we are going to be coming back to you next Wednesday. And next Wednesday, we have a real a treat again, uh, as we do every week with all of our guests. We have Merlin Gonzalez coming in uh, next week to talk with us about his work of love in the inner city. Uh, actually, next week it's Valentine's Day, so everybody don't forget the Valentines. Make sure to go get your cards, your candy, your flowers. Here we are. Don't forget that stuff now. Absolutely. We'll be coming back next week. I know someone's listening. I'm I'm, I'm on it, hon. Don't I got it. (laughs) There you go. Got you. And until next week, you've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio. We'll see you then.